On February 24th, Russia invaded Ukraine, and since then, the conflict has already caused severe damage to civilian infrastructures, uncounted deaths, and of course, damage to the economy. Today, we're talking about the war in Ukraine. Stay tuned. Valery Yakimenko joined the Conflict Studies Research Center after 25 years working at the BBC Monitoring Service, collecting open source information for government and commercial clients. His specialty is Russia's military affairs. Mr. Akimenko, thank you so much for being here and joining us today on such a difficult topic. So, Mr. Akimenko, a million people have already fled Ukraine. Human rights groups and activists worry about the situation inside their territory. We know the situation on the ground is dramatic. I'd like for you to tell us a little bit more about the people who are there. Well, you're quite right to describe the situation as dramatic. I have the contacts on the ground and uh, quite in addition to what has already taken place, that is to say the encirclement of uh, several cities and towns, the bombardment of Ukraine's second city, Kharkiv, the encirclement of uh, Ukraine's Black Sea port of uh, Mariupol and its... Uh, the situation is nationwide, I would say. For example, in Kiev, reports, anecdotal evidence, shall we say, is that uh, the city is experiencing resupply problems, probably the case in many other cities. And of course, we, as you mentioned in your introduction, have uh, the uh, massive flow of refugees out of Ukraine. People from the east of the country are fleeing to the west of the country. People from the west of the country are fleeing to Poland, uh, Slovakia, Hungary, some are trying to go into Moldova. So yes, the humanitarian situation is uh, deteriorating and uh, is likely to deteriorate further. There's a huge scare behind Russian soldiers capturing nuclear power plants. Why is that? There is a strategy behind that, and I think it's uh, very much part of Russian military thinking in as much as the aim is to encircle key facilities, uh, including key cities, but also including key infrastructure facilities. And uh, Ukraine's uh, several nuclear power plants are very much part of the same game plan, shall we say. So the plan is, just as they have taken control of Chernobyl to the north of Kiev, also to target, for example, Zaporizhia, which is... So that is very much part of their military thinking, to block off, to seal off uh, key installations, be it military or civilian, such as, in the civilian category, nuclear power plants, broadcast facilities, uh, other key industrial facilities. Uh, so yes, there is definitely a logic behind that. But uh, is it also a demonstration of power? The control of nuclear power plants are a demonstration of Russia's uh, power, undeniably, militarily. It is also quite keen, that is to say, the Kremlin, Moscow, Russia, is also quite keen to talk up this uh, mythical uh, threat of uh, Ukraine's nuclear capabilities, uh, that very much has been in the Russian news over the past couple of days, including official statements, who are keen to claim, completely groundlessly, a ludicrous claim, that Ukraine has a nascent nuclear capability and that with its nuclear power plants, for example, it could lay its hands on weapons-grade plutonium, create a nuclear, a dirty bomb, and then goodness knows what will happen. So, you know, there is also this kind of ideological... Uh, nonsense that accompanies all these military <laughs> accomplishments. And since we're talking about nuclear, Sergei Lavrov said that a third world war, 
be destructive in the middle of the chaos? Was that a threat? It is a threat. Russia is keen on nuclear threats. Uh, if you have a look at uh, Russian pronouncements, that's just officials. I'm not talking about the Russian media because that's uh, you know, entirely different matter. But over the couple, over the past couple of years, over the past 18 months, uh, Russia, Putin, <laughs> most of all, has been uh, a source of nuclear threats on a continuous basis. This is just the latest piece in the jigsaw puzzle. It's uh, very much uh, part of Russia's uh, deterrence approach because, as Putin himself acknowledged not so long ago, it, it coincided with the beginning of the war in Ukraine, uh, Russia's uh, military capacity is uh, considerably weaker than NATO's, so any conflagration entail NATO uh, is very keen to do that. Hence, uh, his nuclear threats, uh, hence uh, Lavrov's nuclear threats, uh, as I say, the nuclear threats that emanate from the Russian media. Now, that is not a nuclear threat in the sense that nuclear war is imminent. As I say, that very much is part of the deterrence approach to deter the West, to preempt any attempt by the West to uh, even think about any kind of intervention and deterrence. So that has to be viewed from that perspective. The Russian military is known for its efficiency. It's a strong military. Everyone knows that. And the Ukrainian military has been a surprise for some people because some didn't know that it would be so effective in deterring Russia, at least for a few days. Was Putin surprised by the Ukrainian resistance? Possibly. Uh, I would be disinclined to exaggerate either aspect of this equation, i.e. Russia's military strength and Ukraine's military strength accordingly. U Ukraine has scored significant successes over the past uh, few days since the war began, but uh, it must be said that defense is always easier than offense. Uh, Russia obviously had a plan. It obviously did not work initially, such as it was. The plan, uh, for example, might have been to indeed mount a likeness of uh, a special operation in Putin's mind. That is to say, to flow forces such as uh, special operations forces, uh, police special forces, uh, specialized units rather than the big guns, shall we say, Russia's infantry, its tank forces, although those are also present but are yet to be used. So uh, Ukraine's resistance, yes, it must have come uh, as a shock to Putin because uh, if, for example, uh, Russian TV's narrative is anything to go by, most of the population of Ukraine uh, hates its own regime, uh, you know, it's ready to take up arms or <laughs> side with Russia and so on and so forth. And of course, it hasn't been the case. And why should it be the case? Who would want to side with uh, a regime like Russia's? And Putin is facing a lot of sanctions. Do these sanctions, such as in banks and sports and airspace, have an impact on a potential ceasefire? If not, what would Putin's limit be? The sanctions uh, undeniably have an effect, uh, albeit not immediate. The sanctions are likely to have uh, long-lasting damage on the Russian economy, on the cost of living and the standard of living in Russia itself. Uh, it is another matter whether Putin himself or shall we say, the collective Putin, people uh, who form his close entourage or the broader political class, be the defense minister, the foreign minister Lavrov, uh, the chief of the general staff, Gerasimov, uh, the MPs and so on and so forth, whether this class of uh, populace in Russia itself is sensitive to sanctions, undeniably to uh, some of them it will come as a painful blow, but I think the reality is that uh, 
Putin himself has steeled uh, himself and probably the Russian leadership against uh, the prospect of further sanctions uh, and has decided that uh, at least for a while, Russia is in a position to weather that. Whether Russia is in a position to weather that is uh, an open question because many of the assets have been frozen as a result of the sanctions in the West. And uh, you never know, the effect will be greater than we're supposed to begin with. Whether it might have an effect on his immediate uh, resolve, and that is, I think it could be taken as read to uh, take... We've seen thousands of people protesting against the war. We have numbers that at least 2,000 people were arrested while protesting. Can these sanctions coming from the European Union and its allies impact on a potential re-election for Putin? Do they impact his popularity? I'm personally always wary of assessments that suggest that hitting people, the people of Russia where it hurts in the pockets, uh, could have a substantial effect on uh, their political sympathies. It might be the case, I'm not positive about this, but it would seem that there are basically two polarly opposite uh, schools of thought on the population of Russians as a whole to this war. There is a school of thought that says that, uh, if not most, then many people are supportive of Russia's operations in Ukraine. Uh, anecdotal evidence suggests that uh, there is support the second school of thought is that uh, the thinking man and woman of Russia will uh, oppose the war in Russia, in Ukraine, and of course they do so. But these two uh, parts of the equation do not necessarily correlate in as much as uh, to suppose that sanctions even, well, when they do have an effect on people in Russia, will result in the fall in Putin's popularity. I don't think the dependence is linear in that way. I think it would be more rational to suggest that a way out of this conflict would be for Russia's internal forces, the rational segment of Russian society, to gradually somehow build up resistance and uh, perhaps uh, alter the situation on the ground in Russia. Once again, to answer your question, uh, I don't think the relationship between sanctions and uh, Putin's popularity is linear. After all, there are many other factors that could be and should be factored in, such as uh, tenuous as it might seem, Russia's uh, sense of national prestige. If we are to believe that many Russians do indeed consider Ukraine to be part of Russia or another kind of Russians, shall we say, then uh, you know, will sanctions have an effect on the sentiment of those people? I doubt it. And Russia and Ukraine announced that there will be a third round. Of will Zelensky be the hero? From the West? Well, he already is a hero. No one expected a man who is popularly described in the Russian media, especially degraded as a, an ex-comic, uh, to find himself in a situation where I think we can say, cometh the hour, cometh the man. That could fully be said of Zelensky. So, yes, well done. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed by us. This was super interesting. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I hope I was able to shed some further light on what's going on. Definitely. Thank you so much.